you ever wrestled over a really big decision? Like a really big decision, not like uh, where are we gonna have lunch after church, but like a big decision. Like the trajectory of your life kind of decision. Have you ever wrestled over a decision like that? And you, and you think about what to do, you know, you could go either way. You don't know where to turn, so you think, you know what, I, I should pray about this. And so then you pray and you, you still don't know uh, what, quite what to do. So you talk to your partner or your spouse, or maybe you make an appointment, and you come and talk to uh, one of the pastors here at the church. And you still think, I, this seems pretty risky. I don't know what to do. I'm talking about big decisions, like, uh, like you're at a law firm. And you've been busting it for somebody else's name on the building. And you think, you know, I could step out there and go on my own. It seems a little risky. Or maybe you've uh, practiced with the same practice your whole career and you think, I don't know, I, I sort of value, I value some things differently. Or maybe um, uh, you've moved to a new town, you want to be uh, near your kids and so you think, which, uh, which senior living community should I buy into? I could go back and forth. Or maybe it's about your kids. You apply to like the 5,000 schools here in the Metroplex. And you've paid all the application fees. And you think, I don't know which one's right for little Johnny. Do you feel like you've ever arrived at the end of that decision? You have, you, 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 you've thought about it. You prayed about it, you, you finally have made a decision and, and you sort of step out there and you think, I think this is the right decision. Everything seems to be going okay. My practice didn't fail. Little Johnny seems to be thriving. This retirement community seems to be pretty nice. But then you hit the first little bit of turbulence. Things get a little rocky. Billable hours go down. Caseload is not what you thought it was going to be. You actually have dinner with some of the residents at the retirement community, and you think, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> or you think, little Johnny's not progressing as fast as they should. And before you can blink, you think, I knew it. We should have never done that. This whole thing is going to be a catastrophe. The bottom's going to fall out. It's a disaster. This whole thing's going to blow up. What am I going to do? You ever been there? I got to tell you, that narrative is not foreign to my life. Oh, I know the narrative of think, pray, decide, doubt, especially around decisions uh, that require me to risk something big for something good. For instance, uh, like when the Ruffners were minding their own business in Atlanta, <laughs> and this church in Dallas came calling, I loved the committee, the committee seemingly mostly loved us, which was good. We showed up right here in this sanctuary, I preached, you voted. We went back to Atlanta, we put our house on the market, it sold in like 37 minutes. 
the Packers showed up, not the football team, football team, but the people to pack up our house. Then the movers came in one big truck, and I'll never forget, I'm standing out in our driveway with Olivia. I'm sort of t taking all this in. It happened in a blink. And I will always remember thinking, what are we doing? Did we really agree to this? I mean, I think we love them, but we don't really know them. Our support network is here. Life was fine. Why do we need to move 1,300 miles west? What if this community actually doesn't want a young minister? Maybe they thought they did, but they don't know what all that entails. There's going to be some growing pains in that. What if I bomb? I mean, what if I really bomb? And my very next thought is, well, we're about to find out. Because I'm preaching on Sunday. Okay, um, what about us as a community? Think, pray, decide, doubt. Police shooting happens right in downtown Dallas. It's the middle of the summer. We had to bring in like extra chairs into the sanctuary that Sunday because we knew something tragic had happened in our city. We needed to come together. We needed to heal. We needed to talk. We needed to turn our attention to God. And in the wake of that police shooting, the leadership of this church said, there is a conversation that we feel like we need to be having as a community. It's, it's the thing that we don't talk about, but it undergirds the whole thing. It's the conversation about race. And we said, that's an important conversation. So we thought about it and we prayed about it and we decided, you know what? Race is gonna be a conversation that this community doesn't shy away from. So we started a class, the Race Still Matters class. And that conversation is still going. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna launch our second racial justice pilgrimage through the American South. But I got to tell you, there have been some moments in the last two and a half years where we've learned that talking about race is hard. It's messy. It's layered. Have I mentioned that it's controversial? And there have been more than one moment for me where I've been in these conversations, in this building, and I've thought, whoa, we need to stop this. Abort, 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 get out. This pot is gonna boil over and I don't know what it means. Think, pray, decide, doubt. Or, um, on Commitment Sunday, it happens to me every Commitment Sunday. For weeks now, Sarah Ruffner and I have been having the conversation in our house about the number. How much are we going to commit to this year? What is our financial commitment to Preston Hollow going to look like? We think about it, pray about it, and then we finally decide. 
And can I tell you what happens next? It always happens to me. I can't speak for her, but it happens to me. We turn in our commitment card. And it always happens two or three days later. I think this. Did we overextend a little bit? I mean, did we get to a point where we're actually going to notice? What if this requires us not to do some things as a family that we really want to do this year? What is our monthly budget going to look like? We think, we pray, we decide. I can't speak for Sarah, but I'll speak for me. Then I doubt. I wonder uh, this morning, if you think about the big decisions in your life, if you've gone through a job change, if you've moved to a new uh, city, if you've ever enrolled your kids in school, if you've ever moved your parents, or maybe you've moved into a senior living facility, if you've ever chosen a college, I wonder if you can look back on those decisions, and I wonder if that rhythm is also present for you. You think about something, you pray about it, you decide what to do, and then you doubt. Surely I'm not the only one. Because as I've been wrestling with um, our passage for this Sunday, I see that rhythm at work for one of the disciples. His name is Peter. Peter thinks about something, he prays about it, he decides, and then he leads to a place of doubt. And I'm going to read that story for you right now. And if you want to follow along, it's in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We should know that uh, John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus withdraws to pray, to worship, to breathe in. Then the crowds follow him, and Jesus feeds the 5,000. They feed them, and Jesus is going to withdraw away again. It's the end of that night, and listen to what happens next. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds, the 5,000. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, to breathe in. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. All right, I want to pause here just for a second. In the Greek, this section of Greek is uh, what we understand is the ego a me. Ego a me is it is I. It's the same language that God uses when uh, God encounters Moses and Moses is afraid. God says, it is I. And Moses says, well, who am I to say that you are? And God says, just tell them I am sent you. The ego a me, this is the divine revelation to Peter. It is I, ego a me, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Peter was in the boat to begin with because there was a moment in his life where he thought and prayed about whether or not he wanted to follow Jesus. I would imagine as a disciple of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago and even today, that is probably a daily thought and prayer. Do I still want to follow this Jesus? Peter is in the boat because he has thought and prayed and decided to follow Jesus. And what that means for Peter is, in this instance, at night on the water, Peter has to decide, is he going to leave the comfort and stability of the boat and step out in order to follow Jesus? Peter decides yes. And before he can uh, blink, he's walking on the water, and he's well on his way to Jesus, and he hits a bit of resistance, a little bit of turbulence, and that resistance and that turbulence calls him to question his decision. He doubts. And his doubt pulls him down. Don't you know in that moment when Peter hits the resistance and doubt begins to pull him down, don't you know Peter is thinking to himself, what am I doing? I should have never gotten out of this boat to begin with. It was a lot easier to stay back there with those 11 knuckleheads who obviously didn't get out of the boat either. shouldn't have risked it. And then Peter begins to sink, and he cries out to Jesus, and Jesus pulls him up, and and Jesus says to Peter, "Uh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Doubt what exactly? Doubt what? Having grown up in South Carolina, this is how I uh, have heard this text preached and taught. Peter doubted Jesus, and if he just wouldn't have doubted Jesus, then he would have never fallen in the water to begin with. This is so easy. It's Peter doubting Jesus. That's why he fails. If he wouldn't have doubted, then he would have been able to walk all the way to Jesus. So how don't we doubt Jesus? But what if that's not what Peter doubts? What if Peter doubts something altogether different? Rob Bell, who's a theologian, sort of opened my eyes to this this week. He says, um, just to be clear in the text, Jesus wasn't sinking. Peter was sinking. And if Peter is the one who's sinking, who does Peter doubt? Himself. Well, that changes things. If Peter doubts himself, If Peter doubts the risk that he has taken, if he doubts the greater path that is uh, before him, if Peter doubts his own capabilities, and it's his personal doubts that pull him away from this greater path, that's an altogether different thing. 
He doubts the path that required him to take a risk in the first place. Which I got to tell you, seems like a pretty valuable lesson. Seems like a valuable lesson, uh, not only to Peter, but to me personally, and I would imagine to all of us. That the journey of faith will require risk. And a life of faith will beckon us to go beyond what we ever thought we were capable of. And apparently, doubt is part of this journey. Not the antithesis of faith. But rather, Richard Rohr says, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. So then, what if uh, doubt, my dear friends, is one stop on our journey of every decision that we make that requires us to risk something big for something good? What if doubt is just like thinking and praying and deciding? And doubt is baked into the whole thing. That would change everything. If I understood that doubt was baked in, if it was part of every equation, then perhaps when resistance hits my life, maybe I would be less likely to freak out and want to run in the opposite direction. If we knew that doubt was baked in, then we would maybe know that when we reach the place of doubt, when we reach the place of doubt, that may be a sign, it may be the best indicator that we are on the right path, that we are on the threshold of going deeper, that we are on the path of taking a risk so great that we cannot fully depend upon ourselves any longer. What if doubt is actually a sign that we're headed the right direction? Think about it. Think about it. Jesus didn't tell Peter to get in the boat, then go to shore and kick him out of the boat, did he? I don't think so. Two chapters later, you know what Jesus tells Peter? You're the rock on whom I'm going to build the church. So no, it seems like Peter's still in the boat. But I think if we ask Peter after this night walk, What did he learn? I think Peter would say, oh, I got back in the boat, but I was a different Peter than the Peter who left the boat in the first place. I'm a Peter who now knows that the path that I am called to is far greater than the one that I could have ever imagined for myself. This Peter realizes that this life is going to require him to risk something so big something so good. I've been thinking about the founding families of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church this week. Some of you know this story. You may be visiting this morning and thinking, great, I sh showed up on Stewardship Sunday. <laughs> but if you're visiting, you should know this story. It's in our DNA. We were a new church plant here at Preston Hollow. 
from what I understand, this used to be uh, the boonies. This was really far north Dallas, and a core group of families started our church. And uh, when they went to build our campus, they ran out of money. And so those families, uh, a core group of those families went to the bank, and they said, we need more money to build our church. And the bank said, that's really great. Um, we'll, we'll give you more money, but you're going to need to put something of value against the loan. So a small group of families uh, took their houses, their homes, and they put their homes up as collateral against the loan. Most of those families were families in their 30s, uh, looking right out of the windshield of life at a lifetime, a lifetime of expenses. I've been thinking about those uh, families, those small group of families who had to have gone to the bank and signed some really official uh, papers. They probably had to sign them 4,000 times. And don't you know that those families went home that night and after dinner and after they put the kids to bed because they didn't want the kids to know that they were feeling this way, they looked at one another and they said to each other, what did we do? Are we nuts? We just risked our houses. We gotta pay for groceries. We gotta pay for school. We still have to pay for the mortgage of this house. And you know what? It would be nice to go on a vacation sometime this decade, wouldn't it? Don't you know they doubted? And don't you know when they worked through their own self-doubt after they had gone to bed and woke up the next morning, don't you know they heard the very voice of God waiting for them that they heard in the beginning. And don't you know, in the days, in the weeks, in the months, in the years ahead, they looked out on this place and they saw how the living God transformed their gifts and their lives and their money and their money and transformed it into ministry for generations to come. And don't you know God looked upon them? Don't you know there was a moment where God looked at them and thought, why did you ever doubt yourselves? Why did you ever doubt? Friends, we have the same opportunity not to mortgage our houses this morning, though that would be quite a story, wouldn't it? You're awake now, I'm sure. I know what many of you are thinking. You first, Matthew. <laughs> but we do have the same opportunity to risk faith. To risk something big for something good. To risk something big for the kingdom of God, trusting that God will take our gifts and our time and our money and transform them into ministry beyond our imagining. But we need to know that if we should take a risk, a real risk, 
doubt will be waiting for us on the other side. Because when we risk something big for something good, it will stretch us. It will stretch our discipleship. But it will also lead us to a deeper path. And the voice of God will be waiting for us on the other side. This year, uh, the leadership of the church, we feel called to engage in a ministry that will require a $3.85 million investment. That's uh, really a tiny increase from what investment we made last year. Let me put it to you this way. If every family who gave last year gave $5 more a week or $20 a month, if every family who made a commitment last year increased their commitment $5 a week or $20 a month, we would have to have a conversation at the board level about what to do with the remaining money because we would have taken in more than what we asked. You may be uh, here this morning thinking we've never made a commitment. We don't think we actually have anything to give. <laughs> does it make a difference? It does make a difference. Not just to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church, but to you. To your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It will help you understand that your life is beyond your own and what you control. So if you've uh, never made a commitment, $5 a week, $20 a month is a great place to start that journey. Friends, if we will take the step of faith and risk something big for something good, God will transform our gifts beyond all that we could imagine. And I know in the days ahead, after I work through my own personal doubts about Sarah and I's commit card. I know God's going to say to me what God said to Peter. Peter, why'd you doubt? It's going to be the same thing that God said to me after we moved here. And I became your pastor. Matthew, why'd you doubt in the driveway? We do the same thing that God says to me every single week around here as we seek to have conversations about equity and race. Matthew, why did you doubt that having conversations about how all my children can live together? Why did you doubt that that was a conversation worth having? Why did we doubt? For it's the same God who calls us into ministry and transforms our lives and gifts far beyond what we could ever imagined. So thanks be to God for a God like that and for a life like this. Let us pray. God, you risked something big for something good and created life. You risked something big for something good and created a world for us 
to call holy. Help us to know, O God, as we think and pray and decide and doubt, that you have modeled this journey for us. So help us to step out in faith. For we pray in your holy name. Amen.